Okay, so good to be together. So good to worship God together as a community. So good to feel the Spirit of God moving and to hear prophetically uh, God speaking into us as a people as well. Um, This morning, we are going to continue our series in Exodus. My name is Jim. I'm one of the leaders here at Hope Church. And the preach I've been given this morning um, is entitled Reasons to be Cheerful. Um, And I've sort of subtitled it Being a Welcoming Church. So we're going to look at what does it mean to be a welcoming body of people. I just want to start by praying and inviting God to speak to us. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is alive today. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves to speak to his people, who loves to move amongst his people, Lord, bringing uh, correction, bringing encouragement, bringing direction. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have free reign this morning to speak to us as your people. Lead us on, we pray. Help us to understand your heart for welcome and for community. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do you think about church? You might be here for the first time looking in. You might have been coming a long time. Is church a place to kind of come and be seen? Is church the building? Is church a religious service or a place for religious instruction? Well, a few preachers ago, Jonathan uh, reminded us that church is so much more than that. Um, It's a quote, while church is not less than Sunday services, it is far more. Church is the people. 2,000 years ago, when God... um, poured out his Holy Spirit on on the early believers, the church was born. Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, said to his disciples that he needed to go back to the Father. He said, it is better that I go back to the Father. And why was that? Well, Jesus, in his physical form, could be in one, one place at once. But actually, God wanted to pour out his Holy Spirit on believers, that whether they were gathered in Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, God assured his followers that he would be with them, that they could encounter the presence of God in each other's company. Now, the church was born through the Holy Spirit being poured out on believers. So when we talk about the church, in a way we think about two things. Firstly, individual congregations of people like Hope Church Winchester or Life Church Southampton. We also think about the church in terms of God's plan for his people throughout history. So from the, the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit was poured out at the start, all the way through to in the book of Revelation, uh, John describes the church as being a beautiful bride that one day when Christ comes again, he will welcome his beautiful bride. So we think about the church in terms of God's people throughout the ages as well. In our series going through Exodus, we have been considering what it means to be that community, that body of believers. In the New Testament, the word ecclesia is used to kind of describe that body of believers. It's, it's um, sort of translated as maybe a called out assembly or a congregation. We are the church. We are the church. And uh, It's something that I would say the world, um, the secular society around us, has got nothing, um, kind of, nothing is a patch, really, on what the church can be like. As Jonathan mentioned a while back, um, the church is not a club, and and actually the church needs more in terms of that interaction. Steve, last week, uh, mentioned a quote by John Wesley that said, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion, and Following Jesus is something that we do corporately as well as individually in our own lives as well. So being together um, corporately this morning is something that's really, really important. And the Bible encourages us not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. 
I'd like you to think about a meal that you had recently. Think about a meal that you had recently. It might have just been a run-of-the-mill meal. It might have been a special meal, a celebration. It might have been um, commemorating something, or maybe a meal getting together to, to, um, to reminisce and think about good times that you've had. Meals are important times, aren't they? It's great to have good food. It's great to have you know, the table all laid out beautifully. But I would argue the most important thing about meals is that, that time of sharing that you have together, that fellowship, that, that um, expression of togetherness that you have around, sitting around the dinner table. It's something which I, as a, as a school teacher, feel is really important that families still try and have, that actually that time of connecting together is something key for community. Now, meals are important in the Bible too, and there are often meals that are, that are talked about. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. Jesus loved to meet with those that society would have shunned, tax collectors, sinners, those on the outskirts of society. Meals were important times of connecting in with Jesus. Now, we're going to look at a meal to, uh, this morning, which um, will kind of illustrate a little bit of God's heart for us as a community, God's heart of inclusivity and wanting to draw people to him. So let's turn to the passage. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, we're going to look at the book of Exodus, chapter 12. Um, the passage is from 17 to 20 and then 31 to 51, but I'm only going to sort of dip in and out of the passage. So we'll read from verse 17 of chapter 12. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month, you are to eat bread made without yeast, from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. For seven days, no yeast is to be found in your homes, and anyone whether, whether foreigner or native-born, who eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. We'll go forward a bit to verse 37. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast, because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. So we've got here the feast of unleavened bread, which is something that Jews celebrate today, and also linked to the Passover meal. We've heard a little bit about the Passover in this series. It was a time when God delivered his people by the, the blood being put on the, the, the posts of the houses. The angel passed over those houses. It's so important that actually the Jews reorientated their calendar to start from that Passover meal. It begins on the 14th day of the, the first month of the Jewish year. I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly, Nisan, which it kind of equates to March or April in our Gregorian calendar. And then on the 15th is the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which goes for one week with a Sabbath at each end, regardless of what day of the week that's celebrated on. 
At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, one bit of food which is, is eaten are matzos, which are bread made without yeast, symbolizing and reminding the Jews of that story of the Jewish people fleeing from Egypt in a hurry when Pharaoh said that the people could go. Often, nowadays, there's a, a sort of symbolic game which, which goes on around that time. The children have to go around the house to hunt for the leaven or hunt for products with yeast in, and they'll find loaves and bits and bobs, and they, they will rid their house of any yeast in there. Here, in the passage, it was just a practical exclusion. The Jews didn't have time to bake the bread. How many of you here took up uh, baking during lockdown? Have we got any lockdown bakers here at all? Hmm... No? Okay. Well, I took, I took up baking. These are some of the things that I, I made over lockdown. Um, it was, what's quite nice about baking is if you've got the time, you can spend time actually creating things. I learned a lot about baking. I learned a lot about yeast. And actually, it needs a lot of time to rise and to prove. And some recipes, you, you kind of prove for a bit, and then you knock it back down and make them into bits, and then you let them prove a second time. The Jews didn't have that luxury as they left Egypt. So this meal, these meals are about remembering what God has done for his people. It was so important that they remembered, they thought back to what the Lord had done to deliver his people from Egypt. Israel's existence began, almost began afresh for a new time in a wonderful way where the lamb died, the Passover lamb died to let the Jewish people go. The Jews had reasons to be cheerful, and they do have reasons to be cheerful when they celebrate this meal. Now, if you look back at the passage, did you note that it wasn't just God's people who were fleeing from Egypt? It says that many other people went with them. I'd never really spotted that before. So not, it wasn't just only the Jews who left Egypt. Now, it could have been others identifying um, with the Jewish people. It could have been others that had seen God's miraculous power at work in Egypt, the, the plagues and the miracles that happened. Maybe some people took this as an opportunity to also flee from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh as well. Now, we've got many people with us here at Hope Church. Even this morning, I've met someone who's here for the first time. I've met another couple. It's their second Sunday morning here. Actually, coming out of lockdown, one of the things that has really impressed my heart is we've got so many new people with us at Hope Church, and I find that super exciting. I want to challenge you, though. Where's your heart? Are you going, oh, there are lots of new people? Or are you going, oh, there are lots of new people? I think something about the way that you respond to that statement might be an indication of where your heart is this morning. Do you truly believe, as Archbishop William Temple said, that the church exists for the non-members, to be a light to the Gentiles? Let's look further on in the passage. Now, who could eat this Passover meal? Well, actually, in the passage, in verse 43, it says, no foreigner may eat it. Sounds a bit exclusive, doesn't it? No foreigner can take the Passover meal. So the Jewish people had outsiders amongst them, whether they were foreigners who happened to be around at Passover or those taken up with residence or employment during that time in the community had to be excluded from taking the Passover. Why is that? Well, the meal had symbolic meaning to God's people, the Jews. This meaning has been passed down from generation to generation. 
As part of the Passover meal, you might be familiar with, is actually when it's, it's almost like a service around the meal table. And at one point, a child will ask the question, why is this night different from all other nights? And then someone else will respond and, and tell a little bit about the story of what, the, what God did um, to deliver his people. Now, the elements of the Passover meal are symbolic as well. You might be familiar with, um, behind me, I should have a picture of the Seder plates, Louis, um, which shows the elements of the meal. Um, the Seder plate has got different ingredients, um, different things. So we've got some bitter herbs on there that remind the Jewish people of the, the hardship of his people. They're often dipped in salt water to remind them of the, the tears of the Israelites. There's a, a shank bone from the lamb. There's an egg symbolizing new life. There's a, a sort of an apple sauce um, sort of mixture, which reminds them of the mortar that was put between the bricks that the, the Jewish people had to make under, under Pharaoh's hand. For us as Christians, we have a similar meal, which um, is an act of remembering what God has done as well. When we take communion together as God's people, we look to a sign now, Tim reminded us that, uh, a while back that this communion meal is the sign from God, the sign that God sent his wonderful son to deliver us from our sin and from our shame. Just like the Jewish people, we did not deserve Jesus' grace. Just like the Jewish people, we did nothing to deserve God's hand of favor on us. But out of God's own heart, he sent, we've sung it this morning, haven't we? God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So you might hear sometimes on a Sunday morning the hosts, when we take communion, actually saying, if you're not a Christian here today, please don't take communion. Now, it's not because we're going, oh, it's nothing to do with you. But actually, the host will often say, well, this meal won't mean anything to you. For those of us who've made Jesus our Lord and Savior, actually the meal is amazing, isn't it? The, the meal helps us to remember what Christ did by his body being broken and his blood being shed to atone or to pay for our sins on the cross. And that's something that actually, if you're here, if you're here for the first time, if you don't call yourself a Christian yet, we will, people will always say from the front, but you could become a Christian today. You could give your life to Jesus today. So actually, that exclusivity is only really around that understanding of what Jesus has done. But God's heart is that all would draw near, all would come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So were foreigners totally excluded from that, from the Passover meal? No, they weren't. God's heart has always been to welcome and to include. It says this in verse 48, a foreigner living among you, who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover, must have all males circumcised in his household. Then he may take part like one born in the land. Hallelujah. Now, I wasn't one born in the land. I became a Christian when I was 13. My family weren't Christian. I knew nothing about God. Through my, own, my dad dying early of lung cancer, I began to think more about, is there anything else to life? I was invited along to a friend's baptism service and hearing my friend say what Jesus had done in his life, actually I was up in the balcony and I felt God say, this is something that I want you to do. I want you to follow me. There was no one said, come forward and become a Christian. There was no one saying, oh, come and respond. But just up there, I felt God speak to me through his Holy Spirit and call me to follow him. So in 1 Peter, this is sort of what happened. It said this, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Any of us can say this morning that we are part of God's people because he's opened our eyes and we have followed him as our Lord and Saviour. So the Jews had reasons to be cheerful, but we also have reasons to be cheerful. And this morning, I kind of want to do a bit of a health Uh, health check, really. I want to ask some questions. Um, I want to kind of prompt you and provoke you uh, to have a little bit of a think. And and as we look at these questions, I want you to uh, dialogue with God and just kind of go, oh, Lord, is this something that I need to to respond to you about? Is this something I need to think about? Now, I don't really, to be honest, like the word cheerful um, because... um, I can be sometimes too chirpy. When I became a Christian, I thought Christians need to be cheerful the whole time. Okay? Um, I was a little bit like this guy, Ned Flanders. If you know Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, um, Ned is renowned for being super chirpy. In fact, chirpy to the point of being irritating. Cheerful to the point of actually when things are going wrong in his life, he almost denies that there's anything wrong because he's got to be chirpy. Um, I kind of had that misunderstanding when I was first a Christian. I was chirpy all the time. Um, in fact, I didn't realise how irritating I was until I was away one, um, one week on a Christian, at a Christian festival called Spring Harvest. I was serving along some other, uh, alongside some other Christians. And one morning, um, someone in my, in, who I was sharing a room with brought me a Bible verse. Um, and it's, it's from Proverbs, Proverbs 27:14, And it says, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbour in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. I don't know whether that was to encourage or rebuke me, but I was probably chirpy to the point, you know, being too... I'd like to... I'd rather we thought about being joyful, because actually, God wants us to be open and honest with our emotions. We've got reasons to be cheerful, but that doesn't mean that we deny that life is a battle, that there are things that are hard in our lives. But my question to us today as a church is this, how do we, as a community, live in the light of this joy? Are we marked with joyful thankfulness. As we take communion, is it a joy to draw near and take the bread and the wine and celebrate together what Jesus has done? This morning, I've got a free gift for you. When you came in, you might have seen one of these on your chair nearby. If you haven't got one, you can collect one on the way out. Um, What I've wanted to do is gather together lots of verses from the New Testament that talk about one anothering. So often in the New Testament, uh, Paul and other writers talk about one another verses. So pray for one another, carry each other's burdens. And actually, as God's people, if we, if we really went, right, Lord, I want to I follow these verses. I want to apply these one another verses to my life. Actually, through that fellowship that we have, that closeness, that, that, there's something attractive in that. So what I want to do is leave you that gift. I want you to use that in your times with God this week or, or maybe look some of those verses up and pray them through um, and, and really apply that to your individual and your, our corporate life as we're together. And I fundamentally believe that actually we can be a welcoming church. If we're looking at God's word, if we're asking his Holy Spirit to speak to us corporately, that actually through that, we could, there's something naturally welcoming about us. However, Let's look at some areas where we could um, sharpen up in terms of being welcoming. Now, um, when I was um, recruited to my latest job, I became a head teacher in September. And one of my sort of sales pitches uh, to my governing body was that the question I was given was, um, you know, in a year's time, 
how will you know your vision for the school has been achieved? And I kind of likened it to a stick of rock. And I said, well, these are some things I believe in. And like a stick of rock that has Brighton all the way through it, or, you know, South Sea, or maybe Winchester. I don't know if you can get Winchester rock. But everywhere you snap it, that lettering goes all the way through it, doesn't it? And uh, I was thinking, well, what, what, what sort of areas could we think about this morning where actually being welcoming should be part of every interaction that we have as God's people at Hope. So, let's snap ourselves in some places and see this morning. So the first, first one, when did you last speak to someone you don't know? Now hopefully that won't, be a lo- won't have been a long time. Every Sunday morning we're often encouraged, aren't we, to, to, go, and, to go and speak to someone new, go and to speak to someone that you've never met before. Now, coming out of the pandemic, I don't know about you, but I noticed that we were very stuck in our chairs to start off with. And part of that was just a natural keeping, keeping healthy, keeping kind of safe. But actually, I think we could have got into a bit of a like, well, I, I won't go that extra mile to talk to someone who's three seats down from me. So I just want to encourage you, if that's been a long time since you've spoken to someone that you don't know, then why don't you be brave and actually speak to them? Tell them your story of hope. Find out what, what's brought them to Winchester. Talk to new people, older people in church. Talk to the students. They're amazing. Students, talk to the older people. Kate and I were so blessed. We went and talked to Tribe on Friday night. And I I tell you what, I was so encouraged at just what God is doing amongst our our students and our 20s in church. And I I never fail to get excited and invigorated by hearing the the stories of people who've been brought to Winchester. But likewise, I remember when I, I became a Christian, having older folk in church who could mentor me, who could nurture me, who could speak into my life was really important as well. So let's get talking. Let's get sharing with each other. Next one. When was the last time that you sought someone out? So, I mean, actually intentionally going, oh, you know, God might have dropped someone's name into your heart. Oh, haven't seen that person for a while. I wonder if they're here this morning, like seeking them out. Or if they're not physically around, then dropping them a line or an email. When have you been kind of looking after people around you? Um, the, uh, the Bible in Hebrews encourages us to welcome strangers amongst us as well. So actually, there might be a moment in the mornings where you go, well, do you know what? I've seen someone up there on the balcony. I'm actually going to go and make a beeline for them and say hello and welcome them. Next one. Do you welcome others as Christ welcomed you. In Romans 15 verse 7, we're encouraged with this. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. If anything serves as a reminder to us about Jesus' welcoming nature, it's this verse. Jesus died for us so that we could be welcomed. We could be made sinless in God's eyes and reborn into the presence of God. Do we make barriers for those who are coming in on a Sunday morning? How do we welcome people who might be a little bit different from us? Now, when I was preparing this morning, I was reminded of a quote in one of my favorite books um, by Philip Yancey, What's So Amazing About Grace? You might have read this book, but at the start of the book, um, Philip Yancey shares a story from a friend of his who'd been talking to a prostitute on the streets. And this friend had, had dialogued with the prostitute, heard the hard story of her life and everything that was, she was forced to have to do just to get money to survive. Um, and Philip Yancey's friend said this to the lady. At last, I asked her if she'd ever thought of going to a church for help. I will never forget the look of pure, naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she cried. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They just make me 
feel worse. I don't know about you, but that, that really gets me there. I feel church should be the one place where everyone is welcome to be, them, be themselves and be called in. Jesus himself welcomed tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus met with a woman at the well who was shunned and rejected by her society. Is church the place where your friends could come? Is this community of believers somewhere where people could actually come and be themselves and find out about God in an open and in an exploratory way? The next, next place to snap. Do you only interact with those like you? Church is family, isn't it? I love the fact that church is family. It is multi-generational. It is um, kind of has people from different economic backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, different experiences, different family setups. Yet together, we are one. Galatians says we are all one in Christ. Hallelujah. It's easy though, isn't it, to talk to people like you. It's easy to talk to people in the same stage of life as you. Why don't you go that extra mile and try and talk to someone who's in a different stage of life from you, who looks different from you, who's older than you, who's younger than you? What about those amongst us who are not yet believers as well? Welcoming people who maybe don't have anything in common with us is a hallmark of a spirit-filled follower of Christ. The next point, how deep do your conversations go? Now, I used to be really guilty of this, kind of just going, oh, yeah, how are you? Yeah, fine, yeah, great. Because I'd, I kind of find it hard to just open up and share everything that's going on in me because I feel like it's a bit of a burden to other people. However, actually sharing how you are with others and asking others questions that go deeper than they're just, yeah, you were doing all right, all right, great, fine. Actually, that begins to form relationships. Um, a lovely translation of Galatians 6 um, in the message says this, Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. I love that bit. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Do we share each other's burdens? Actually, if you know someone's going through a hard time, are you there? Are you offering to pray? Are you remembering to pray for them in the week or dropping them a line? If you see someone on Sunday morning who, who actually looks like they're a bit on their own or feeling a bit awkward, are you, are you there getting alongside them and welcoming them? Next one, where we're going to snap this morning. Who did you last have over for dinner or go out for coffee with? I'd also add to that, maybe if you're feeling anxious still about having people around to yours, who did you last have a Zoom call with? Let's, let's include that too. Um, but yes, we need to be hospitable, don't we? But not just to those people who we find easy to spend time with. Jesus actually said, if, you, if you're just like that to your friends, well, even, even the pagans do that. But actually, we should be going above and beyond, welcoming people, being hospitable to others. In 1 Peter, it says this, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Offer hospitality to others without grumbling. Next place we're going to snap. Would you invite others into your group? So thinking about that, that could be your community group, could be into your group of friends, it could be those that you enjoy spending time with. Or are you just, oh, we're just full enough, thank you very much. Having anyone else might just, it might just spoil the feel of our group, or it might just change the dynamic a little bit. 
If you love those who love you, Matthew says, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Jonathan has teed up a whole series of sign-up small groups, hasn't he, over the last few weeks. And they're really exciting opportunities to get to know some other people. If you haven't signed up for those, I would encourage you, go on to Church Suite or talk at the Connect Point and see what groups we've got up and running, because it would be fantastic to start to connect in, uh, in different ways with people you might not know. Right, a couple more just to finish off. Next one. Do you serve as part of church, or do you turn up, listen, take and go. Serving is a really great way of getting to know other people. Now, I don't know if this is just Kate's and my testimony, but often the areas that we've ended up serving in have been the things that we've we've sometimes over the years grumbled about. Oh, why isn't something happening in this area? Oh, why isn't something happening there? And then we feel the challenge of the Holy Spirit going, well, okay, if you're exercised about that, why don't you get involved in that? So um, often, you know, be careful what you grumble about, because if you're listening to God, often his spirit will drop in. Well, go on then, be part of the solution. But actually, we found every time we've served in an area in church, God has blessed us more than we've ever, get, ever put into that, in terms of the fellowship and the friendship that we've, we've received as well. In 1 Peter, it says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Hallelujah. You've got a part to play in that. And I'd encourage you, even if you maybe think I'm here for a few years, if you're here to study, get stuck in and get involved. I've been so encouraged, um, and I don't know if they're here this morning, by two young lads who um, are training to be officers in the army. Um, They've just been passing through. They've been here for a season based at Worthy Down Army Base and they're going on to Sandhurst. Um, But they didn't kind of go, well, you know, we're not really, you know, we're we're just here, but we're not really going to get connected connected in. Actually, they've been coming along to the welcome meals. They've been connecting in with some of the other students and 20s as well. And I've been so encouraged. That's not been wasted time. They've built relationships. They've had fellowship and God has spoken into their lives as well. So I want to encourage you. You might, I mean, Kate and I never felt like we were going to be in Winchester for this, this long. I mean, how long have we been here now, Kate? A long time. Okay, a long time. In fact, it was so long that when we talked at Tribe on Friday, we realised we were at least double the age of everyone in the room. Um, it's pretty scary. In fact, no one was born when we came to Winchester, were they, Kate? So, pretty scary. So, you may, you may be thinking, oh, I'm here just passing through. God might have other plans. So, why not get stuck in now uh, rather than waiting for that perfect moment to do that? Um, one thing you could do as well, get, um, do the foundations course. Get to know what church is like as well. I think back to my time of doing foundations. Um, Jeremy, who brought that word about the wells. Jeremy, was on, you were on foundations with me, weren't you? And, and still, that was, a, that was a special time of learning about church and getting to know some new people as well. Do we encourage others? Do we encourage others? Now, my wife has got a a kind of a bit of a mantra um, that she shared at Tribe on Friday. She was sort of saying, why do we always wait until people die to say nice things about them? Okay, why do we always wait to funerals to say, oh, you know, Steve was such such a caring pastor. He was such a... Actually, why don't we encourage people now? Okay, yeah, keep going, says Steve. Why don't we encourage people now? And I want to encourage you, if God puts something in your heart, oh, 
Steve and Jill, you know, you've been so faithful, um, you know, serving in the soup service over the... Why don't you go and, go and speak, speak that over them? Go and encourage people. Don't wait until they're not around anymore to think, oh, that, that, was, that was really brilliant. Um, in Hebrews, it says this, and let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's be encouragers of one another. And the last bit, a shameless plug. Have you invited someone to the next welcome meal? After church today, we've got a welcome meal. Anyone here is invited to come along, whether you, you're, you're new for the first time, whether you're starting to connect in. In fact, actually, if you've been here, I'll go as far as I can, if you've been here for years, and actually after the preach today, you, fa- you fancy just coming and being welcoming, just pop in, okay? It would be fantastic to start to connect in with people. But that regular rhythm of every Sunday, the first Sunday of every month or every other month, we might kind of space them a little bit further apart, but let's make that a time when we can invite people along with us. Just to finish, though, I'm going to tell you what I'm not saying about being welcoming. As I've been preparing over the last, well, last few weeks, but I've been reading a book over the last few months called The Introvert Charismatic. Now, I'm naturally an extrovert. I love people. I find people energizing. You know, when I, we come back from church, I'm often buzzing with the conversations I've had with people. Now, Kate, although Kate looks like an extrovert, actually, she's quite an introvert, and she actually gets quite drained from people, and actually, she needs to withdraw um, and, and spend some time alone to kind of energize again. But I often think that sometimes the way that we can do church can sometimes look like it favors people who just love being up in people's grills and getting... And, and what I'm not saying this morning is to be welcoming, you've just got to get into people's faces, and actually, the message from, from this book is actually just like men and women together um, give a better expression of what God is like. Actually, those of us who've got a range of different characters and personality types actually express something of God's heart as well. In the years that Kate and I have served um, leading the youth team, we really, really valued having introverts on our youth team because often they were far better at looking out for those who were on the fringes, um, understanding people pastorally, um, reflecting on things that we had done, whereas I'd just be like loud and dynamic. Actually, having introverts on the team as well is super important. So I want to say to you this morning, you have got a part to play in the body of Christ. If you are someone who doesn't feel like you, you're very natural at having conversations, or actually the things that I've been saying, you've been thinking, well, that's all right, Jim, but I'm not very confident like that. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. God has got a place for you in the body of Christ. You can be welcoming. You've just got to ask the Lord how he would want to use you as well. I'm going to skip to the last slide, please, Louis. So, worship band, can you just come up as we finish off? So I want to encourage you that everyone has got a part to play in part of God's people. I want to apologise to any of you who have been connecting in with us, who might have sometimes not felt welcomed. Maybe you have come along to a few Sunday mornings and no one's spoken to you. Maybe you've, you've kind of gone in and out and not had many interactions or conversations that go deeper than a, a quick hello. Guy Miller, who spoke here a few weeks ago, um, used to say when he was leading his church in Bournemouth, he said, we're not a perfect church and we will let you down. That will happen. 
That will happen. However, let's seek God and let's work together to listen to his spirit's voice to see how we can grow as being a welcoming people. I want to leave you with this, this quote. Again, Jonathan brought this a few weeks ago. It's from, um, uh, oh, it's not that one actually, Lou. Is there one before that? Maybe didn't delete my last slide. Okay, don't worry. It's, it was, <laughs> there we go, best laid plans. Philip Yancey, basically, he talked about the church and he said the church is, is not a club and it needs vision, it needs hard work, it needs the spirit of God to help build that community. So to build a community needs those things. Let's just stand together. We're not going to have a response time in terms of people coming forwards, but I'd like our response time over the next few weeks and months to be seeing, asking God, speaking to God, listening to his spirit about how we can continue to grow individually and corporately in being welcoming. Lord, we thank you that your heart is a heart of inclusion. Lord, we thank you your heart is a heart for community, for drawing those who are far off near, for drawing those that are lonely, those that are isolated, to be part of family. Lord, we thank you that we were once not a people, yet we can say we are now a people. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross to open up a new and living way that all may come to know you. Lord, we thank you that you are willing that none should perish, but all should come to know you as their Lord and Saviour. Father, help us as a body of people to reflect that heart of welcome as we do life together and as we follow you. Amen.